As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be. Oh man, it's eight o'clock. And so that'll make it a. I don't need the spotlight. I shine just fine. Hi, I'm Karma, and yes, I am a bitch. Rob Bros. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brav Bros, your favorite podcast from the bros for everybody, for whoever wants to listen. I am your co-host, Steel Russell, joined, as always, by the one and only Shoot Scoots Magoots. What's up, dude? Well, it's uh, it's March 3rd, so I want to congratulate everybody on making it through the winter. Oh, nice job, everybody. Yeah. I, Hello. You know, sincerely, great job, everyone. Um, it's spring now, so you don't have to worry about anything, and I know... We're probably going to get hit with a snowstorm because I'm saying this. More than likely. It always happens in March. But congratulations. You got through the dark months of winter. It's starting to get a little light out a little earlier. And I know that you got a jump start on the spring break by going down to Florida. Yeah, I was in Key West. Um, again, congratulations, everyone, on making it through winter. I yeah, will say. Very before, proud of you. Before I get into Key West, I will say very mild winter. Mm-hmm. Slightly alarming for the you know state yeah. of the world. Well, I also but like snow too. I do. I like one. Uh, I like one good snowstorm. Yeah, and then I'm good. But you know, it was an enjoyable winter. I, I was cozy the whole time. I, I hate the days in February when it's like two degrees outside, and I yeah. have to get up early, go to the gym, and I just hate it. Ruins my whole day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm actually happy that we had a warm winter. But anyway. I was in Key West. I was down there for a wedding, and it was like a wedding slash vacation because the wedding was on a Thursday, which is nice. Love that. Yeah, we love a good Thursday wedding. So then we had Friday, Saturday to kind of just chill in the Keys, had a lot of good food, got some sun. I'm nice and bronzed right now, which I'm going to carry over into the summer. Nice. It's going to last a couple months? You think so? Oh, dude, I stay tan all year. Yeah, I know. But like, you got one good base down in Florida in February, and you think you're just going to... Oh, I'm about to school you with some knowledge right now. You're going to get spray tanned. We all know it. I don't. I've never gotten spray tanned in my life. I am a very proud, very proud Native American. And because of that, I have very tan skin. I'm tan all year round. It's a very nice quality. It's probably my favorite thing about myself, honestly, is that Jesus <laughs> I get to Christ. stay tan. Let's open round. this box. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's keep that box shut. But overall, good trip. The wedding was beautiful. It was a beautiful service. Now I got to ask, did you tell the bride and groom about your experience with the cake? No, no, I didn't. I all didn't right, so you kept it, it to yourself. Them. I did. Well, Unless they listened to us. You know, I didn't want to... Um, insert myself you know they're still happy they don't want to know the cake's gonna <laughs> suck in a year and also so the the bride is a client at the gym she mm-hmm. takes some of my classes and apparently was pissed at me because i was trying to motivate and instead i guess i made her mad because i was like they were doing this thing it's called a versa climber and you got to move the handles mm-hmm. and like you got to move the handles with the feet at the same time versa climbers suck they're really hard we started the round and she was to her credit, like just getting used to it because it takes a while to get used to it. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I was like, I'll stand here all day. We're going to go. Get ready to go. Ready to go. And just trying to motivate, like, ha yeah. Some people don't get my sarcasm out of the gate, um, which is a different issue because people think I'm an Can't asshole. Can't imagine how they wouldn't do that. It's hard to pick up. Yeah. It's hard to pick up. But my initial, like, first impression with most people, they think I'm an asshole. They get to know me, like, oh, wow, you're really sweet and nice. First impression, a lot of times, they think I'm a douchebag. Oh, I can see that. It's something I know I can't do. Yeah. I, I, it's something I live with, I've come to terms with. And apparently, the bride was mad at me before the wedding. I said, Congrats. I apologized. I said, I was just trying to motivate. We moved on. She, I think she likes me now. All right, cool. But, so, uh, yeah, maybe just like slide some hints in there. Be like, 
How are you going to keep that cake? You got to put it in a nice little like vacuum sealed container. Make sure it stays in there. Don't put it in, you know, a piece of tin foil like I did. No, we didn't even use tin foil. It was like strictly in a thin, the thinnest cardboard box they make. Okay. So it might be a user error. We got to get some comments on this. I'm surprised we didn't get any this week. We did. We got one message from somebody that said they didn't even eat the cake. Oh, so it's still in their freezer. Oh, I didn't ask. I should have followed up. Dig into that. Yeah, my bad. My bad. I got to do some more research there. How's your uh, marriage doing? You didn't eat the cake? Oh, I thought you were actually asking. I was like, oh, we're great. Thanks. Oh, Oh, you? you? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, no, you're fine. Yeah, no, we're good. But enough rambling. Let's get into the news for the day before our rose and thorn. Um, Up first, a little Potomac action. Um, So we saw in the reunion this week that Mia claims that Wendy fooled around with Peter. Mm-hmm. And she has receipts, and she gets all giddy about it, whatever. Peter goes on Instagram, like, immediately after the fact, and was like, I don't know where this is coming from. This never happened. And then calls Mia thirsty. Yeah. Well, he did say, like, you turned five minutes of my business conversation with Wendy into nine episodes. Oh, he and said that? And that was, that like, part. the most, like, realization that I've ever seen from, like, an outside party. I mean, obviously, like, we interviewed Chris, we interviewed other people, and we hear about, you know, the editing and how things work. Peter's sitting there. He's like, I had one conversation with her. Like, I, it didn't matter. It was, you know, it didn't work out. Shit happens all the time. This is business. And Mia turned it into so much more than what it was. And look, I mean, towards the end of the season, we were like, all right, like, I can get behind Mia coming back. I understand who she is. And I can kind of appreciate some of the things that she brings to each scene. But now I'm, I'm right back to square one. I'm like, oh, nah, dude. Like, <laughs> now I've completely forgot. I was like, we'll just jump at anything. And she tries to make a storyline. She tries to be iconic. She tries to do all this shit and like pedal all this bullshit. And now when Peter comes out and does this, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's how we felt about Mia. Yeah, it's a quick reminder. Quick uh, jaunt back down to earth, if yeah. you will. And then did you see? Uh, it's all G's response. G's response. It got I didn't a, get it. It got a little erratic. I didn't understand what was going on. Like, it, Peter didn't say that he didn't know you. Peter was just like, I, I don't understand why you're doing this and why you're disrespecting a woman who's married to try to push this storyline on a show so that you can get a check from Bravo. Like, that all makes sense. That's very sound reasoning by Peter. G comes back and he's like, you're going to act like you don't know us. You were the first man to hold my baby girl aside from me. It's yeah, like, what what why the... are you making it so weird? I don't, I got that's so That's why we depth. don't need more G on TV. I feel no, like we he's really just don't. like a weird dude. We really don't. He needs to just stay in the background because, mm. you know, his one chance in the limelight, I didn't get it either. I was like, why are we bringing your children into this? Rule yeah. number one, bro, leave the kids out of it. And number two, that's not what he was saying. Not at all. Not even remotely. So for you to try to make it personal to go back at Peter doesn't make a yeah, whole lot say, of like, sense. You had to spend $60,000 to like help him keep his bar afloat or whatever. What does it have to do with it? It had nothing to do with anything. Peter was responding to the allegations of you saying that he slept with a married woman. Which is a Which very, he didn't do. No, he didn't. And, that's and we a, all knew he didn't do it. We all knew that Mia was lying. And that's how we got back to square one with Mia. So, yeah, whatever. We're back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Up next is some news from a franchise that we have not watched yet. Yet. And we've got a lot of people that have asked if we're going to get into Atlanta, and we are going to next season. We missed the boat this year. The way that it timed up, um, that's when we started the podcast, really. And Yeah, I think Atlanta was already more than halfway through yeah, we had, when we Beverly missed, Hills started. Right, and Beverly Hills just so happened to be timing up with right when we wanted to start. So we are going to get into Atlanta, but news out of Atlanta, Ralph Pittman and Drew Sedora are divorced are getting divorced and again i don't know enough to like really speak on it but Mm -hmm. i will say i loved how petty this is 
because I guess he was going to file. She filed like 61 minutes before he was able to file. Yeah, she's like, no, fuck that. I'm getting there first. I love that. (laughs) So we've heard nothing but good things about Atlanta. I'm excited to get into it next year. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yes, we are going to do Atlanta. Stay tuned. Keep listening to us for another year and you'll hear that. Yeah. Or a couple months. I guess so, yeah. yeah. I think they'll probably be out over the summer. Yeah, good call. Good call. But now we're on to a little rose and thorn action. Shoot, you, why don't you go first this week? I think I've gone first the last right, couple. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm pulling in. I'm going rose first because we've been getting a lot of love recently, and I love it. Uh, this is a review that we actually got on Apple. It's from Deidre Mack. I'm a black woman who loved Bravo for many years. I really enjoy your recaps and your hot takes. You have a fun perspective, and you're unapologetic with your takes. That's what makes this community fun for me. We love to love, in parentheses, or hate, our Bravo peeps. And if we were all the same, how boring, LOL. I like that. I'm like, I, yeah, I get that. Like, and that's nice because it gives us a little kudos for having a different perspective. Sure. And she likes that there's a different perspective out there. That's what we're here for. So, yeah. yeah. I like that she also is comfortable with the fact that there are differing opinions out here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what drives our podcast it's what drives these shows it's literally why we all watch is to give our opinions on the matter knowing that there are counterpoints it doesn't mean you have to get up in arms if somebody doesn't agree with you and call us idiots but it's gonna happen it will happen i do also love that i completely indirectly but now people are saying that we're their cishet bros Cishet has, has hooked on. Yeah, I know. I've, I've seen so funny. multiple comments, multiple reviews. It's, yep. it's come back up. So yeah, that, that is our, our label. Yes, that's our thing. Yeah, um, that's us. My thorn, because honestly, we had a pretty good week. I don't think, and maybe yours is different, but not too many people were mean to us online. Ours you know came, what? My thorn came from today because oh. of um, when we did our live recap with Zach. Oh, um, somebody already left a mean one. So yeah, that's I, I a good was... plug too. We did a live with uh, with Zach Peter today, just talking about Jersey and talking about our upcoming live show. Yeah, baby. So you know, just plugging that in there. We'll be talking about it for weeks to come. So we just... got a live show. Well, you got to plug the whole thing. No, no, they'll be on the lookout over the next couple of weeks. No, April twenty seventh. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst <laughs> droppers ever. We also forget to plug our like social media until the end of the episode when everybody's already stopped listening. Yeah, we got to start doing that. Yeah. Getting... We suck. But April 27th, City Winery in Philadelphia. If you're in Philly, get a ticket. If you're in New York, come down to Philly, get a ticket. If you're in Boston, take the train down, get a ticket. If you're in Canada, what do you get a passport for? I'll tell you what, to come down and watch the Brown Bros in Philly. If you're in D.C., Chris Bassett will probably give you a ride up. Yeah, Chris. Chris. Put them on the hook. Ask Chris for a ride. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Reach out to Chris and just say, hey, can I get a ride? A ride. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, so my thorn is actually during our, uh, I guess, one of our clips last week. Everybody got super hyper-focused, which I can appreciate because you and I get hyper-focused on the weirdest shit sure. when we're watching these shows. They got very focused on your front door being slightly open. I know. And I thought it was a reference to like your barn doors open. Like I was looking at my fly and then I was like, Oh, maybe they're talking about like steel. Cause steel had this really like petite cut off shirt. I'm calling a petite cut off shirt. And I'm like, Oh, maybe steel had like a little nip slip and they're talking about a front door over there. No, your front door was just slightly cracked. Yeah. And there were like four or five comments about it. Like, a lot of people oh, made them uncomfortable. And I think that what they need to know, I have a, a glass door. Um, kind of like a screen door, John, yeah. in front of it. Yeah. So it's not open. It, it's a jar, and it's okay. 
We're okay. But by the way, to all of you that pointed it out, had I been watching, I would have said the same thing. It would have bugged me. So I get it. But I'm going to start out with my thorn because, again, we had a pretty solid week and I want to bring it back with some happy stuff. But uh, it was from today, of course. And one of the viewers of the YouTube stream, I'm not going to read his name, but Zach, word to the wise. Only have people that know who these players are on your show. This is ridiculous. Who are these guys? Players. <laughs> we, like, there's so much for me to unpack on this one. It's like, one, we do know what we're talking about, at least to a certain extent. Yeah. Two, we've been on Zach's show. This is our third time. Yeah. So you might be new to the party, guy. You don't know. All right. We're the fucking Brav Bros. We're Shooter and Steel. If you got a problem, listen to us. Listen to us. And if you still have a problem, subscribe. Yeah. If you still have a problem, like one of our pictures <laughs> and we'll talk to you then. Yeah, that's, that's brutal. But for my rose was a message that we got that was really sweet. And it's from Laura Carolina. And it says, You guys keep getting better and better each podcast. You guys remind me of our group of friends and I love it. It's nice. Yeah. We are your group of friends. That's what we don't remind you of them. We are the group of friends. We are those guys. Yeah. And I think that one resonated with me the most because that's kind of my goal when we're here Mm -hmm. is i want people to feel like they connect with us actually like as friends i want them to feel like they're listening to their buddies talking shit about bravo i don't know like how do you when you watch when you watch when you listen to podcasts do you respond like in the car when you're driving oh sure yeah oh you do okay i usually i'll just laugh like i don't really like get involved in the conversation and i didn't know that people did that until i was i think i was driving down the shore with colleen and we, she was listening to our show, mm-hmm. and I was talking over myself. And she's like, can you stop? Like, I'm trying to listen to my podcast. <laughs> and she was dead serious, too. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. And then she kept driving. And then she responds to something that you say, laughs a little bit, responds to something that I say. And I'm like, is this normal? Do people do this? Dev did it today. We watched. She wanted to see the, uh, the Zach Peter mm-hmm. um, interview. And we watched it on the TV. And yeah. literally, as we're both talking, she's going, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good point. And so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I experienced that today. That's pretty funny. But let's get into it. We still have a ton of shows to cover. We are getting very close to our two episodes. We're not just leading you guys on. It is happening soon, and it's actually going to benefit us because it's a lot to remember. But um, up first, we're going back to Jersey. I think that's a good memoir name, actually. A lot to remember. A lot to Brav remember. Bros. By the Brav Bros. <laughs> <laughs> a memoir about two morons. Um, but we're in Jersey and, uh, I loved the intro. It's all the dudes getting back from dinner, just mm-hmm. like wasted Yeah, for a couple of reasons. Because so in any group of guys, all right, there are some archetypes, like there's characters in each group. And if you don't hang out with dudes, you don't know that, but there's always the guy that claims he's the biggest drinker. We got Fuda, right? Yeah. We got the guy that, oh, that was such an easy night. These guys are lightweights. Wearing sunglasses on the way in Correct. at 1 that, o'clock in the morning. That's Nate. You got the guy that gets too emotional, Joe. Like, <laughs> you, you got certain tropes that you hit. Yeah, we didn't see nose. Joe come in. No, you didn't see Joe come in. And then you, you got Evan, who's like just the, the nice guy that's just bombed, that like doesn't hang out with them all the time. But when he does go out, like they love He's to get him He's got his pants drunk. off within like 30 seconds of being home. Totally. Yeah. Like they're, all these guys hit those nails on the head and it made me laugh. I was like, oh, I've got friends like all of yeah, these guys. Exactly. Which one were you? Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm usually the guy that comes back and 
quietly has like another beer thinking I'm getting away with it. <laughs> and Colleen can hear me like trouncing around in the kitchen. Like, what are you doing down here? Oh, okay. Uh, I was being quiet. I don't even know what you were just getting out of I'm a different. Yeah, I'm a different. Or um, um, Joe Benino, and I'm in bed falling asleep. You know what you're talking a big game and then just falling right. You know what you are really good at? What's that? You will disappear. Yeah. And then reappear two hours later, like ready to go. Yeah. Just kind of like take a minute, come back, and then it's like I don't notice your back, and I'll turn around and you're shotgunning a beer in the corner, like woo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I was. But anyway, we get kind of a split scene here, which we love a good split scene. And then we got Louie and Teresa on one side. Then you got Joe and Melissa on the other side. And like, are you over it yet? Do we need to move on? Are you still? I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm not necessarily over it, but I think I am overanalyzing it. Okay. And it's not helping the situation by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm getting to the point now where... I a lot of people had an issue with Louie writing little notes and passing it to Teresa. I think that's fine. Like it was an emotional conversation for her to have. Again, we're looking at this how it's presented. I, yeah. you know, I'm not looking at it like Teresa's playing a game and doing all this bullshit. I'm looking at it how it's presented. And it looks like a pretty heavy conversation between Teresa and Joe. And she has to work up the courage to call him to, you know, make sure that she, that Joe's coming to their love bubble party. And Louie's calm, cool, and collected, just passing notes over. Like, hey, ask him about this. Is he coming to the party? Tell him that you love him. Like, all this shit. And I have no issues with that. People are like, oh, he's manipulating the situation. Like, no. You're just so desperate to think that he's manipulating situations that you're just, that's all you're seeing. Like, look at it like a reasonable person, which I guess a lot of people can't do. I, I think that Joe is just dragging this on too long. Yeah. And he can end it at any time. And Look, if he's afraid to get hurt again, he doesn't want to make up with her just to start fighting again, whatever, then that's a whole other issue. Maybe you've done it 15, 20 times, and then just cut it off. Like, if that's what you want, then just completely clean break and then maybe revisit it in like a couple years. If that's what you need, like a couple months, whatever. But he's dragging it on a little bit. And I think he's kind of putting Melissa in a shitty spot because you see, Melissa has to go to the party later. She has no one, and we'll get there, but she has no one to kind of console her when things are going awry. Joe is being selfish and staying home to continue this storyline. And there's no other way to put it. He's continuing this storyline for the show. And that's kind of how it looks. I'm not, your original question was whether or not I'm over it. I'm not over it yet because there's really no resolution. Yeah. But after another episode, if we're still just kind of here and it doesn't come to a head, yeah, I'm going to be over it. I am trying my best to see this from Joe and Melissa's side as well. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to stay as objective as possible. Like we had a moment today where somebody commented while we were doing our live stream and they're like, well, Melissa's mom and sister said a lot of bad things on social media about Teresa during that whole thing. So that's a reason not to invite them. And that, that's a very good counterpoint to us being like, just like invite them. I don't understand why. So, yeah. okay, that makes sense. And there's obviously a lot more to this that we don't know. So can I see from that side, like, we don't want to get hurt again. We've done this song and dance before. It's not worth it. Sure. Okay, that makes sense to me. However, if you're going to talk behind closed doors that you want to figure things out, you want to move on. It's so sad. This family's being broken up. Like, I need this. I want that. And then she does extend an olive branch, and we've talked about it. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you need to give. She gave a little bit. Yep. Come to the party. Come to my wedding. That's a little bit of a give. Is it genuine? Maybe not. Maybe it is saving face, but... It's some kind of extension. It's some chance to try to resolve things. 
you need to give a little bit too. You don't have to like swallow your pride entirely and be like, all right, I'm giving in, you win. Yeah. But at least be open to the idea and be like, you know what? I am going to go to this party for an hour. Yeah. I'm going to go show my face, support my wife, and then get out. And then maybe that's a step forward. But you have to bite the bullet a little bit to make a step forward or you're just going to stay in the same spot. That's a good point. And, and looking at it from, even from the show's perspective, like if you're Joe, all completely all emotions aside on kind of treating them like they're all real people and trying to fix these you know, emotional damages that have occurred over the years. If you're looking at it from Joe and you really do want to play this game, you're fucking losing, bro. Yeah. Like you are losing because you kind of look like a crybaby and you're being very selfish. You're staying far away. Like you have to insert yourself. If you want to win this game, so to speak, you have to go to that party. You have to show face. You have to have a conversation with Teresa. If you really do feel like there's no way that you can fix it, go say it to her face to face. Don't hide. Don't stay home when she's giving you the olive branch because at the end of the day, you didn't show up to the party. Teresa gets to take that shot later yeah. about the chosen family. Yeah. If you're there and she says the same thing, then nobody's going to say a word because they're going to be like, oh, she means chosen family like we chose our friends to be part of our family. Isn't that nice? But you're not there. Now it's a fucking shot. Mm-hmm. And you're not there to defend yourself. And your wife gets left out to dry. Like, you are losing. Yeah, that's a and really you good gotta, point. you got to show up if you want to win the fucking game, bro. And the next scene, I only want to touch on briefly because Frank Jr. is Frank. Yeah, he is. Dude, I thought that they hired an actor to play young Frank. I think he's, he's a little more put together. He carried the conversation pretty well. He had a lot of good points. Um, and he just wants a, a life where both his dad and his mom and boyfriend can all live together in harmony. Yeah. But I, he's not as like bullish as Frank is. No, he's, he's more soft-spoken. Yeah. And it's just his mannerisms and like the cadence in mm-hmm. which he talks. I was like, oh, my God, that's mini Frank. Yeah. Which, Genetics are crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> but... Moving on to Jen and Bill, what do you think? We talked about it with Zach a little bit earlier, but what's going on with this marriage? Like, what the fuck? Because I don't care what kind of shit Dev was talking in public. It could be the most outrageous claim in the world. I would never, ever not take her side in public. Like, if shit was popping off, I got her back. And then at home, I'd be like, yo, dude, what was that? Like, then we'd have a conversation, like, mm-hmm. so we get on the same page. But I would never not support her in public. I, I really do just think that Bill is, and we said it last week, I think he's just so checked out of all the situations on this show and hopefully not his marriage entirely, although we've seen kind of the writing on the wall where maybe he is. Like he didn't even tell his wife that he got a new Ferrari. She thought he that he was going the Ferrari. She thought that he was going to get his older Ferrari serviced and he came back with a brand new one. So I don't know. I mean, I don't like to analyze other people's marriages that much, but this is a show, so I will analyze a marriage. Yeah, it's our job, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think he's so steadfast on this, like, make peace at all times, don't fight, and I guess that's just, like, where he is and what he wants to do, that it's just so foreign for him to just tell his wife, like, yeah, absolutely, like, she deserves you, for you to say that to her, or... You are the most self-reflective person in this group. Like, he can't even bring himself to say that. He just has to try to deflect and just push down this, I, I don't want to call it anger, because I think the Jennifer's just frustrated in most situations. 
that he can't even just play her side. He just has to try to make peace all the time. And he just doesn't want any issues. He just doesn't want any turmoil around him. And it, it kind of sucks for Jen because you see her kind of floundering and she's like, just fucking back me up. Like even just once, just back me up once. And he can't even do it then. Like when it's just the two of them sitting there, he can't even do it then. So that, that sucks for Jen. I do feel pretty bad for her. Um, but I, I don't know what exactly his mindset is on this marriage. Just kind of building off of kind of where Jennifer Aiden is right now. You get a scene where the newbies pop up and it's Rachel Fuda and Jen Fessler going out to lunch. I did think it was funny that Jen Fessler was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not sharing my pizza with you. Like, no. I love that. Move. I, I think that's a good move, especially like I'll do it with my fiance. If we're you know grabbing a quick bite to eat, like I'll share a pizza with her, a little flatbread or something. But if I'm out with my friends, like if I'm out with you, unless we're getting like 40 wings, I'm not splitting shit with you. No, we'll split apps, but that's it. Yeah, but not the entree. Like, no. You want to share a T-bone steak? Like, no. Like, I, I feel bad. Who gets to gnaw at the bone at the end? I feel bad for Dev because she will be like, hey, let's just share this. I'm like, nah. Because you know you're going to be hungry later. <laughs> We've gotten to the point now where like I will order something yeah. and she will order something and then we'll share off of each That's other's fine, plates because then you'll yeah bounce but, but that's I, also i'm plate. not yeah but i'm not a sharing plate guy I, no. I can't order one entree and just split it because i'll be starving exactly but we do get to see a little bit of insight into kind of how they're acclimating into the group and here we find out that they've both had an extensive conversation with jen aiden which started off as something innocuous you know just kind of talking about whatever unless you're talking about nose jobs which is <laughs> you know whatever <laughs> came out but, of nowhere um, <laughs> But here, Jen is complaining about Dolores behind her back to these new people. And you got to wonder, like, and we saw it in the first episode, Jen kind of cornered all the newbies and the newbies were like, oh, like, what's going on over here? Let's find out what's going on. Let's get some tea. And it ends up that's just Jen bitching about Dolores yep. and putting them in a bad position. And luckily, they all kind of moved on and were like, I'm not going to just take somebody's side. We don't know anything about this fight. We don't know each other at all. So you get to kind of see Rachel and Jen Fessler talking about it. And Jen Fessler goes, well, she was complaining about Marge to me. Does she not know that I'm good friends with Marge? And then we find out later that they FaceTime Marge and that there was a whole fucking thing. Jen Aiden, I understand the fights that she's getting into. And I understand why she has issues with these women. Maybe not as much Dolores, as much Marge. Because everybody should have an issue with Marge. Let's put it there. Agreed. I have an issue with Marge. I'm calling it out. We've got beef. But to then sit there and talk to other people about it is rough. Like, you already got in trouble for that in the first episode. You're going to continue to do that over the phone and then think it's not going to blow up in your face later. It's, it's a bad move. Just, I don't know. Maybe she can't talk to her husband about it, so she's talking to whoever wants to listen. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that she's lonely. I think that she doesn't have support at home. And I think she doesn't have support in the group, so I think she's trying to find that. So she's like, oh, new blood. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, be on my team. But it's hysterical to me that the two people you call and the two people you bitch about are two people that are friends for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like you literally called Rachel Fuda to complain about Dolores. They've been friends for like 10 plus years. You yep. called Jen Fessler to complain about Marge. They've been friends for like 10 plus years. Like you could not have picked a worse person. Unless to to. it's the smartest move of all time. Oh, she wow. wants a storyline. Guess what? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> let's spin it just for a second let's okay, have okay, some fun okay, okay, okay she calls the two of them knowing that they will spill the beans to the other person 
And now all of a sudden, Jen Aiden is front and center. Oh, she has taken a, a center, like a kind of a main role here. Aside what? from the Joe and without uh, Jen, yeah, without yeah, Jen, without we, Jen, we'd have nothing. Nothing, because we'd be talking about Joe and Teresa once again uh-huh. only. So love it or I'm hate gonna, it, I'm going to throw it out there. You know what? Maybe Jen's a little smarter than we give her credit for. But the whole episode is leading up to the love bubble party, um, which I'm not sure what a love bubble party is or what the theme of a love bubble party is. We uh, we talked to Zach about the lady in the bubble in the pool that was dancing. That we both got fixated on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we both... <laughs> I was concerned about how you would dance unless she was listening to music and headphones. Because if I'm inside of a bubble floating in a pool and you want me to dance, I can't do that in silence. And you know, like, inside of that bubble, all you're going to be able to do is hear yourself, like, breathe. Like, that would piss me off. Yeah, and then the water, like, rumbling underneath of you yeah. as you're flipping around. I was concerned that she wasn't going to be able to breathe after a little while. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm looking for an air hole or whatever. And I don't know. You know, those are the things that go through our minds. How do you want us to focus on the drama when there's a woman trapped in a bubble in a pool? I'm still trying to figure out what love bubble even means. And then there's a bubble in the pool with a woman trapped in it. There's just too much going on. Somebody help the woman in the bubble. (laughs) But immediately... The elephant in the room is addressed, and people are talking about the fact that Joe didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And Melissa's left to her own devices. And to Melissa's credit, like she does show up to these things, right? Like she is at least making the effort. And I know it's partly because she is a full time housewife, has to be there. I get that. Yeah, it's a big part of the show. But we've seen housewives pull out of events multiple times. It's not a way less serious. Yeah. So it's not crazy for her to be like, oh, I'm not doing this tonight especially because Joe won't come with me. And I think, you know, we already talked about it, but we get to Dolores, and I think a big theme with her has been finding this new life that she wants, where Mm -hmm. she's not putting other people first, and she's finally kind of focused on herself. And I think that she's earned every single right to do that. I don't think that she owes anybody anything anymore. She's been that mainstay for Frank. She's been that mainstay for her kids. Like, at some point, it is Dolores' turn. And I agreed with what Frank Jr. said before. I mean, I love Frank Sr. I think Frank is awesome. I think he's hysterical. He's, he's fun to watch on TV. But this is Dolores' time. Mm-hmm. And if she wants to ride off into the sunset with her new man, like I don't think it's right for Frank to try to wheel and deal to get it back to the way that he wants it. You know what I actually thought about is I've been thinking about it like, oh, yeah, Frank needs access to his kids and this and that and whatever. These kids are all, like full fledged adults. They're older. They're like they're good. You know, like yeah. they can they can probably drive over to his house. Like you don't need permission to go see your kids. They can just come over, or yeah, you and can go meet them somewhere. Also, like so, call. Hey, yeah, can I come over real quick. Yeah, so I, I think I was giving him a little bit more credit than than the situation was due overall. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for Dolores because it seems like she genuinely likes Polly. Like when we watched her with her ex before this. There was a lot of like weird back and forth that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but this makes sense. Like Polly seems like her kind of guy, you know, yeah. like, but my new role on this show, which I found out is women's fashion. Oh yeah, it is. Well, what do we got tonight? I talked about Danielle last week with her Arrow pastel shorts, which I'm still waiting on, by the way, because she did say at this love bubble party, those shorts are from a secret place and I will not tell you where they're from. If you were embarrassed about a purchase of some clothing, it's got to be our pastel, I think, if they're still in business. They're I mean, American maybe they're Eagle. not. Maybe they are. Maybe they're American Eagle. Uh, who knows? But I do got to say, 
Rachel Fuda walking in. She looked like she was dressed for the mall. Wow. I don't know if you noticed what she was wearing. She was wearing jeans and just a normal shirt, full top. She, everybody else is decked out in their jersey, sundresses, looking good. Even Jackie complimented Danielle's, you know, forced, but Jackie complimented Danielle's dress. It was a backhanded compliment. Yeah, but Rachel walked in in jeans, and she looks like she's going to the mall. Not a Teresa I party. I think that it's a risky platform. Oh, I'm so, going all in. Hey. I'm not gonna. Wanna, I'm not gonna commit to a week by week bit here, but just be on the lookout. You yeah, know, well, I'm, you I'm gonna die chime on this in. hill. You know, you're gonna do it alone. But I won't be dying <laughs> on any hills. That's when we get the comment. Teresa's giving a speech, and um, she just felt the need. And I know we don't see eye to eye on this one, but she throws in there, "This is my chosen family," and I think this is a reminder. Teresa's not all changed. I don't. I think that. A lot of people, a lot of our listeners might think that because of our last few episodes, we've come full circle on Teresa and we're like, oh, she's great. We're on her side. Like she wouldn't do anything wrong, which is just simply untrue. Yeah. But I think that this for me was a reminder like, oh yeah, like she's still in there. Well, let me ask if Bravo didn't put in the dramatic music after Chosen, would you have felt the same way? I can't honestly say either way. I don't know because I heard it with the music. I know. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Damn. Great point. (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's kind of my thought is I, I touched on it earlier. She could have meant chosen being all these friends and family that are here. You're all my family. I choose for you to all be my family. I don't know if it was a dig at Joe. If it was, she's playing the game the right way. Like, this is what you want. Joe didn't show up. Joe cowered out. Whatever. You got to take a shot and it landed because immediately, Marge looks at Melissa and goes, ooh, why did she have to say that? Yeah, and I, I think like, it goes... And that's just Marge stirring the fucking pot, too. But I think Melissa noticed it right away, and that's, I guess... Look, I mean, if you're guilty of something and you hear something, you're going to think that it's about you right away. It clearly was about her, though. I don't know that it was. Look, it takes a lot. You can say whatever you want about Melissa. She doesn't break down very often. No, and I she feel bad for She takes it all in stride. I do, too. I think that, you know, she is in a rock and a hard place, in between a rock and a hard place. And I think, you know, some of it of her own doing, for sure. But she's also been put in an impossible situation. Yeah, and she talked about it with Danielle a week or two ago about how she's talked to Joe. And you can only talk to somebody so many times before you can actually expect them to do anything. And Joe's not doing anything. Joe's still not showing up. He had a good call with Teresa, still decided not to show up left her out to dry like that that sucks for melissa she has to sit there and take the brunt of it and yeah was the exchange with Teresa's daughters a little awkward for sure, sure. and look the, the kids made a very good point when my mom and uncle are fighting it's like a wall goes up between us and my cousins yeah which that is sad. sucks yeah, it was, it was that makes it a little too real for me i'm like oh shit that really sucks yeah, it was sad and they don't even get to talk to their cousins because of what's going on between their mom and their uncle and that's pretty shitty and melissa i, I don't know maybe she had good intentions and she just wanted to check in because she hasn't seen her nieces in what six months i think they said yeah that's a long fucking time it's when really you live time. in the same goddamn town to not even just check in and say hello. Especially when family's the most important thing. Yeah, well. Quote, unquote. But I don't know. I, everybody's at fault at this point. It's just who's going to end up winning. Yeah, and I think that it's Not become us. a game. No, we're losers always. Yeah. But I think it's just become a game. Who's going to break first? And I don't think either will swallow their pride to do it. Nope. But the episode ends with Marge, Jen, Aiden, Dolores, Rachel. All of the shit that Jen was talking kind of comes to light. 
and they're all just kind of screaming at each other. And Jen's trying to play semantics. She's saying like, well, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't say it like that, blah, blah, blah. I was just trying to connect about like my terrible nose job too. Like we both have terrible nose jobs. Ha ha ha. And I was like, what the fuck? I laughed out loud at that one. That was so funny. It's hysterical. Yeah. But it's like, this is the problem. Yeah. Jen, this is where you get in trouble is like, just don't say that. Like do say that because that was funny as shit. Yeah. But like, you're trying to recruit these women on your team. You just insulted her nose. Yeah, I thought that I, I, Rachel showing in that situation was a little strong. It was a little forced. I didn't think that she was actually like that pent up. Like the way that she came at Jen afterwards and she's like shouting at her, it didn't seem very real. When Danielle was arguing with Jackie, that seemed real. Yeah. Danielle is primo Italian housewife for oh, the show. Like the she best. is so good. Yeah. It's been so long since Bravo's had a good injection of new blood. And they finally hit, and I'm happy to say that it worked. They hit with Danielle. Rachel Fuda has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Jen Thessler is a great comedic relief. She is. And if she stays in a friend of role, I'm entirely fine. I with think that. she's the perfect friend of. She's yeah. the perfect person to interject to get shut down. Like when she tries to jump in with Dolores, yep. and Dolores is like, not the place, not the time, not the people. Back the fuck off. Yeah, and aside she, from the mozzarella eating thing, I don't think that she's trying to. Oh, we got so a call hard. back to that tonight. I fucking know. I know, I wrote it down because you'd be pissed. I saw it. I, I was yelling, please don't show it, and they showed it again. What's up, bros? When I'm not feeling well, the first thing that I tend to do is go online, Google it, and find out that I'm dying in three days. Instead of doing that or asking Shooter of all people for my medical advice, I turn to ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals are on ZocDoc and they're there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care that you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com bros and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash bros. ZocDoc.com slash bros. Now we are back in Miami. I love that thing. DJ Rockstar. <laughs> Where'd you find this one? <laughs> Pretty good. Right? I could be the LimeWire guy. Yeah. But we're back in Miami, and we're going to speed through this one a little bit because the main focus was Adriana the whole time. We can't speed over the beginning. No. We get the aftermath of one of the worst things ever said by a housewife. Adriana compares her foot to Frankie's accident, which is night and day, apples to oranges, not comparable in any way, shape, or form. And, and the then worst she doubles part, and triples and yeah, quadruples down. Exactly. Like, you need to just swallow Ugh. all of the pride in your body and immediately say, whoops, I yeah. am so sorry. But instead, she tries to explain how they're both potentially accidents. My foot could have been gone. 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 Broken into a I million that she was attacked pieces. by a shark. Like, what the fuck? Two of your friends fell back on you while drunkenly like, dancing or whatever. That's not the same thing. No. And for you to sit there and like, 
repeatedly say it's the same because they're both accidents is wild. And then, if that's the stance you're going to take, you cannot stand up at dinner. Absolutely not. That is banana land. Let alone dance. Let alone dance. I don't care that she wasn't stepping when she was dancing. You can't. You just, you simply cannot. No. No, at this point, you have to go all in and get your foot amputated just to make a point. But here's what I think I realized throughout the whole episode. And that's why this is pretty much just going to be Adriana Corner today. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad for Adriana. Why? Because she is scared. She's lonely. She doesn't know what to do with her future. She's just trying to get support, and she's not good at it. And oh, so you she are a big keeps... softy. I am a big softy. I you haven't been a big softy recently. I haven't because people have been pissing me off. But yeah, I got back right. in touch with my emotional side, good which is you. where I I thrive here. Okay. okay, I thrive here. Here's what I'm seeing: all of these things, all of these acts that she's doing. She is just trying to like hold on for dear life to her friends because she doesn't have anybody else and she's panicked. She's losing alimony in a year and a half, which mm-hmm. makes all the sense in the world. It's starting to like really sink in like, fuck, I'm going to be on my own. I don't have anybody. So she's looking to her left and her right. Okay, I need to reestablish my friendship with Alexia. Alexia is surrounded by Marisol. Marisol is not cool with me. Panic. Wrong thing said. Fuck. Shot herself in the foot there. Or Nice. No, that I works. Like that. I was like, leave it there. <laughs> but you see it repeatedly. Everything that she does, she always brings it back to herself because she's trying to garner the most sympathy possible because she wants people to feel bad for her because she wants people on her side. I think that she's just scared, alone, misunderstood, not good at articulating what she's feeling in the moment without overstepping. If she had... No, uh, even everything that she said was inexcusable. So there's just nothing there. Oh, oh, I'm and not defending anything. No, no, no. I know that. I know. But like, as far as like a moral compass goes, when she says something like that, she is immoral. People go through shit all the time, though. Like, figure it out. Maybe what you need to do is cut out some of these so-called friends because they're not supporting you. I mean, she'll find someone. She'll figure it out. She's got kids that are getting older. So she's not alone. All of these she, things she make me... What do you mean? That, that's more alone. Because her kids are going to be out of the house. She's going to be an empty nester. She's panicked. This is all a product of panic because she's losing everything. She doesn't know what to you do. You know what? And she's going to be on... I think the alimony okay. being gone in a year and a half has really made her realize her situation. I think that up until that point, she's not worried about taking care of herself. She's not worried about... And I mean, financially only, like she's not yeah. worried about that stuff. So I think with the gravity of that setting and like, fuck, I'm about to have to do it all. Who do I have on my team? Julia. Fuck. That's it. She ignores Julia, though. That's know, my that's problem. Yeah, that's Julia true. is yeah. so nice to her. And Julia talks in her confessionals about how she loves Adriana. That's true. She would be there for her all the time. Adriana's sitting over there pining for the popular girls. That's fair. You don't realize what you have at home. You've got Julia, who, by the way, empty nester trying to get Martina to adopt so that they're no longer an empty nester. You can have a really good friend in Julia who's also going through some shit being an empty nester and being quote unquote alone. She has a wife at least, but you can get in there because you know what Martina, she goes and skis in the Alps. She goes out to Aspen. Julia's alone a lot. Go hang out with your friend who actually likes you. Don't pine for these other girls who don't like you. Fair. 
Fair counterpoint. That's what bothers me with Adriana. That's fair. Look, I'm not saying that she's blameless by any means, no. by any stretch of the imagination. What she said was horrible, mm-hmm. and she doesn't deserve to be defended for it. She needs to just sit in that guilt, apologize, and move on from it. I'm saying the root of it is just sheer yeah. panic. Well, not to mention, Julia did stand up, and I fucking love that she just dumped a bucket of ice on Marisol. She tried. It didn't really go. I kind of, like, hit her in the neck. Marisol area. needs to go, dude. I can't She's stand her. I, brutal. Guess what, dude? She's on Ultimate Girls Trip. That's uh, going to be fucking fun, well, right? here's what I know. Los, I know you're listening, buddy. Los, my man. That's a funny thing, by the way, Los. Let's get into that. I defend this man. I get no love. You get all the... Even when you're a dick to him, he's like, I don't know why I stand for this guy. He's never even said my name. So you know what? Flip the script. Fuck you, Lowe's. God. I, I can't imagine. Like, I saw that she was on Ultimate Girls Trip. I'm like, God. I don't even know who else is on it. I just saw her face. I'm like, fuck me. We're skipping that one. Just, just kidding. We're, We're not, not. going to skip anything. We're not. We are on a reunion episode again, so we're going to skip a little bit through Summer House here, but we got a couple of things to touch on. Mainly, it's a little bit leftover feelings towards Kyle and Carl and how Danielle fits into everything. And we get the tail end of that dinner, which nothing really happens. Uh, it seems like they you know, kind of squash it a little bit, at least enough to move on, and they get to go out. But the next day, Paige is setting up a nice tea party, and... We get one of our favorite mainstays in Bravo shows. Mm. A good old-fashioned butler. We love a good butler. Oh, yeah. And a we good, uh, always... Objectified butler. <laughs> <laughs> poor guys. These poor guys go in there. Like, could you imagine if it was the other way around? No chance in hell. These guys come in here and they're like, let's take that shirt off. Let's do this. Just I, eye candy immediately. Like, oh, I hope he's hot. Like, this poor man. <laughs> <laughs> he's just here to do a job. And they're yelling his name from outside. But it, it was a pretty... I guess enjoyable episode aside from, you know, everything else that's going on. But of course we get to have Danielle FaceTime Carl and Lindsay right away. Why, man? Like, I think Danielle inserts herself into way too many situations. She needs to just butt out. And I'm glad that Paige said something later. Like, why are you involved in this? Like, why are you doing this? This is none of your fucking business. And furthermore, I think it's crazy for anybody that is not in a company to comment on that company. Like for you to say what should or should not be happening with Kyle and Carl's relationship, you have no idea the ins and outs as far as the business goes. So don't speak on it. Anybody, like anyone that's on the outside looking in, you don't know. So shut up. But we also get to see Carl completely stand up and say, if I was gone, this company would be fucked. I find that very hard to believe. There's just no just no way. And look, yeah, Carl's not drinking anymore. His sobriety's great. But at the core, he is still kind of an asshole. Like, he was. There were, like, seasons ago, he used to say, I'm the best-looking guy in all the Hamptons. Yeah, he was. He's got this ego about him that never really made a whole lot of sense. And, yeah, he was a lot of fun in a social aspect. That's great. It's partly on Kyle hiring his best friend during, you know, the lowest part of his life to be in a company and then expect him to perform. Now's the time that you would expect him to perform. He's sober. He's going through a, yeah, a good life change. He has a good life partner, we think. And he's just not doing anything. And he says that he's working 90 hours a week. He says that the company would be fucked without him. And yet we see on the other side, Kyle saying that, no, that's not the case at all. There's no chance in hell. And part of me wants to think like this could be, you know, kind of for the show. Like maybe they're playing this up. But then 
I quickly come right back down. And like, I don't think that Kyle would use his company that he's trying to make money on. I don't either. In a negative way, like cast a negative light on it for one of his you know, top workers, one of his VPs to not be working all the time. Like that doesn't really make any sense. So I'm sorry, but like I have to side with Kyle on this. He goes about things the wrong way. He gets too drunk and yells shit. I love his storm outs. They're, They're so, so good. When funny. they had the back to back to back to back, I'm fucking done with this Dude, shit. It was so good. I, that was my favorite editing sequences I think I've seen. It was, it was so just funny. funny as shit. But let's not forget Carl's FaceTiming with Danielle from California on a trip that he didn't tell the higher ups about yep. and that he missed meetings for. Yep. I need people that are listening and people that comment and people that watch this show to take your emotion out of this whole thing. And look at this from an employer-employee standpoint, period. Because that's what we do. This isn't about the fact that Carl and Kyle were friends. This isn't about the fact that Carl's made major life changes and he's sober now. We love that. Love a good sober camaraderie. You're going to say sober king. No, that would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love a good sober king. Um, (laughs) There you go. But I think that the root here, like, what we focus on above all else is just the business side of things. Yep. You need to perform. If you want to raise, first of all, oh, you know what? That just reminded me, and I'm going to bring it up now because I'll forget. But Danielle does this, and she did it last year, and I commented on it. I'm going to comment on it again. So last year, she was trying to stir some shit up when Kyle was going through it with Amanda. like They were having a tough time right before the wedding. Kyle confided in Danielle when he was a little lit, but he was saying that we don't have anything in common right now. Aside from the business. Aside from the business, referring to him and Amanda. Mm -hmm. Right now, right? We don't have anything in common right now. When she retells the story, it comes out, Kyle said that Amanda and him have nothing in common. Yeah. Period. That's not what was said, and it's a very different connotation. Now, fast forward to this year, and Danielle's going over the conversation with Carl and Lindsay, and she says to him, Yeah, and he was saying all this stuff, like he's so coked out, and like now he wants a raise. No, you, Danielle, were the one that spilled the beans to Kyle that Carl wanted a raise. Kyle had no idea what Carl wanted because he sent him a convoluted email that he took three weeks to write that that didn't make any sense. You expect to get some sort of clarity out of this fucking email. like that. That was the end of the conversation that Kyle had with Carl that was a quote-unquote hard conversation about Carl's future. Was I, you know, I've been trying to get this email going for the last couple of weeks, just trying to get everything, all of my emotions into words so that I can let you and the managers know what's going on. And he sends this email and there's nothing there. So you're working 90 hours a week. You take three weeks to send this fucking email. And I feel like I'm in deja vu land because we already did this, but it just doesn't make any sense. Nothing is adding up. And look, I'm all for a good firing. I don't think that Carl realized that that was potential. I think that he was sitting around like, oh, I got to think about my future and maybe I'll just stop working for him or maybe he'll give me a raise. Maybe if you're a dick, Kyle's just going to fucking fire you. Yeah. I don't think that he thought that was an option. And it clearly is because Kyle texts him and just says, I'm done. He says, I'm done. I'm into that. And we finally have a real conversation between Danielle and Kyle. And I think you can kind of see it like happening in real time. Mm -hmm. I think Danielle finally understands like, the level in which this has gotten to. I think that she took it as like a chance to be like a knight in shining armor. Like I'm going to stand up for my friends. Like this is bullshit, Kyle. Like you're running this blah, 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 blah. And then she realized in that moment, Kyle's like, no, this is fucking impossible. 
I'm in a lose-lose situation. I don't know what to do. I'm panicking. I have to answer to my bosses and my investors about Carl. About Carl. Like I'm the one feeling these questions. I am in an impossible scenario. I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. And she finally realizes like, oh, all right, this isn't just Kyle like talking shit and like not caring about Carl. Like this is a real situation. And Danielle doesn't even know what to say to the point where she's like, you need to have a conversation with Carl. Yeah. Yes, Danielle. That's what's had to happen the whole fucking time. Yes, Carl. Yes, Lindsay. Carl and Kyle need to get locked in a room together and just figure it the fuck out. Kyle's handling it terribly. I'm not going to sit here and defend how, like, no, obviously don't air out your employee and call him a cokehead in no. front of everybody and on national TV. Not a great look. On the other side, Carl, do your fucking job, dude. Or just have the conversation with, with Kyle. He's supposed to be your best friend. Yeah, just talk about it. You can't take three weeks to write an email. And then not write anything. You can just talk to him. Just sit down and be like, yo, man, we're going to the Hamptons. Do you mind if we just drive up there together? Well, who, who could have possibly put in his head, write an email? Yeah, well, we all know how that happens. But I will say, at least it seems like the show's getting a little bit better from the party aspect. Yeah, it was we fun. are still talking about kyle and carl in the business all the time but they are at least staying out past midnight so i will give them that the newbie sam uh, a shitty one night stand i mean the guy didn't who the fuck knows but then he stays for breakfast he needed to leave he should did you see oh my god he's dating madonna what i <laughs> you didn't see this no it came out today he's legit so he trains madonna's kid Oh He's now my. hooking up with Madonna. God. Yeah, it's what it would come up and for Holy that guy. shit. Yeah. Is it a come up and I mean financially. Financially. But... I mean, look at it how you want to, but the man's dating Madonna, which oh, I didn't God. see coming. I'm gonna need a minute. Yeah, are you good? No. Yeah, just rocked your world, huh? <laughs> wow. Here I was just gonna rip him for staying at breakfast too long. Dude should have been too embarrassed to just See you later. Apparently it worked, but he should have kicked rocks. That would have been the smart move. I thought it was really uncomfortable when he's saying goodbye to everybody driving. Like, you're in their house. And yeah, he was waiting for an Uber or whatever. Home. He also, like, when he woke up next to Sam, was like, I feel like I just found, like, a really good friend in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, come on, man. Just get up, put your clothes on, and bounce, yeah. my guy. You, you're not going to win that battle. No. But thank the Lord we are back to Vanderpump because I missed it last week, I'm not going to lie. And we're just going to talk about this week's episode. We did catch up on last week, so we're up to speed. But um, I think that it's become pretty clear that the main focus of at least the early episodes is going to be Katie and Schwartz, and yeah. rightfully so. It's something that I think we all kind of want to see shake out. But we get a confessional from Katie like right out of the gate. Um, and this made me sympathize with her a little bit because she's afraid that the group's going to end up taking sides. Yeah. That they're going to pick between her and Schwartz, and she thinks that they'll pick Schwartz, and they probably will. And this isn't even a knock on Katie because I'm not a huge Katie fan. This is simply Schwartz gets along with 90% of people. He doesn't like to cause drama or like be the center of drama, I should say. Yeah. So I think he's the easier one to pick out of the two. I don't think they should have to pick. No, they, they shouldn't. And as long as, now obviously those lines get a little murky, but as long as the boundaries that you're setting from within your own divorce are met, 
there really shouldn't be any issues. But obviously, we see that they're not met or potentially not met, well, which I'm confused about because I, I thought that I thought that Raquel and Schwartz did hook up. They Are we going to see that? They did. They didn't then. So, so does that another have funny callback? We talked about it over the summer. No, they did, but they were filming. So this already happened. Yeah. After the fact. Yeah. But tonight they didn't. They're going to. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know this whole thing's filmed in the past, I right? know, I know, but I'm confused because this we're having all these conversations about, like, Raquel wanting to make out with Schwartz and then talking about it, but then she also tells Katie, and then Schwartz and Katie talk about it, and Sheen is involved, and it just seems like this is where it's probably going to end. And that's the end of the episode. But, <laughs> so they do eventually make out? Like, I'm just confused. I guess I'll see. Yeah, why don't you just wait and see, buddy? But we're at Tom Sandoval and the most extras. We actually gave away free tickets to this show. I thought it was the show we were supposed to go to, and we couldn't because of scheduling conflicts. So I was texting you, like, pissed off. I was like, dude. Yeah, I know. We never would have lived that one down. No, like, we and missed when they that. came back and it said Agora Hills, I was like, oh, that's the one outside of yeah, LA. We didn't actually end up going. Or that's the one we gave free tickets to. But, um, and this is where I have an issue with Raquel. I'm actually enjoying watching Raquel this season only because it's a captivating story in yep. which we're seeing a character that has been pretty reserved, pretty quiet, kind of like trying to figure out her own life. And it's tough and she's got a lot of things going against her, but I'm enjoying watching her like try to navigate it. What I don't like, I don't think it's her place to pull Allie aside and talk about James's indiscretions with Lala. No, but. I think that Allie is using Raquel a bit to get more information on James. Oh, so interesting. I do think it goes both ways because you see, uh, I think it was Allie actually that walked over to Raquel and said, hey, you want to take a step outside? Like she's making a friend out of James's ex-fiance. Like that's kind of weird. Oh, no, she pulled right. her out? Yeah. and Raquel she's approached been, her. No, she's been seeking her out. Like this is the second or third time at least that, and, and I get it because like Raquel was really nice to her the first time that they met. Allie made a couple of weird comments, but, you know, it seems like they got past it. It does seem like Raquel is taking this opportunity to shit on James, but Allie's taking the opportunity to be friends with James's ex-fiance. So th she's kind of asking for it, is what I'm saying. Like, if she didn't befriend Raquel, then Raquel probably wouldn't go out of her way to be like, hey, watch out for him. I don't know. Don't do this. Don't do that. I think old Raquel, no. I think this Raquel is kind of looking for drama. She's kind of like, I would agree with that, yeah. I think she's trying to start some shit because she feels scorned. And, like, I can't imagine being engaged to a guy, dating him and being with him for five years, calling off the engagement, even though she's the one that called it off. Yeah, if she was the one who was scorned and she was out for blood, I, it would make more sense to me. But it just it can't be easy to then, like, this dude turns around a month later and he's in another relationship. No, no, that can't be, yeah. Like, and then you find out... But again, you called off the engagement, so do I you agree. have any right? Like, we have to start... We have to talk about this with Katie and Schwartz, too. You're right. Like, do you really have any right to be like, no, you can't do this. Like, I'm going to sabotage your relationship now because I feel some type of way about you getting a relationship too soon after I ended our relationship. Like, yeah. Do I think that Raquel should have ended it with, with James at the time? Probably. I mean, their relationship sucked and he was cheating on her. Fine, whatever. But to then turn around and sabotage his new relationship because you're still mad about that, like that part doesn't really make sense. I don't think she has the right to do that. I don't think that she should be the one telling Allie about the indiscretion because yeah. Allie already knew about it, one. Two, 
it, it just comes back on Raquel, right? It looks bad on her, mm-hmm. and James is the one being a piece of shit, so like it should look bad on him. Right. And the way that James handles the whole thing is terrible, but that's par for the course with him. He just kind of always says the wrong thing because he gets defensive. But the fact that he tried to flip it when Raquel calls him out, like, unfortunately, my guy, because you are one, castmates, two, you were engaged, you do owe her this explanation. Hey, you fucked Lala when we were dating. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it was her. I love that Lala always spins it. Like, it was early on. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, you were together. It, period. It's not early, late, middle. It's whenever it happens, it's cheating. And for James to sit there and be like, well, you're hooking up with Peter, and like, I have to sit there and watch you make out with Peter, and like, blah, blah, blah. Dude. Stop. That I thought it was so... pretty funny that he was like, should I go to her new boyfriend and tell her, tell that guy that, you know, she doesn't suck dick that great or at all. I, I laughed at that. That's not funny. I laughed at that that's one. Not, but if I, the, here's my thing with that is like, if I'm Allie, I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? But like, she knows who he is. Like, that's the, then why is she with him? Because she likes it. James Kennedy is fucking gold for TV. Yeah. All right. He is TV, reality TV gold. He is a piece of shit. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, I wouldn't date him. I wouldn't want anyone that I know to date him. No, but like, if you know all this shit, and you you claim to like have your eyes open, she could be cloud chasing. Oh, if you're, I, I, I think that that's part of it. But I think that if you feel the need to seek out the ex in any relationship, not just TV, if you feel the need to talk to the ex. You know the answer. Yeah. But the whole episode hinges on the Raquel Schwartz stuff. Now, what do you think? Is Sheena being an asshole trying to, to force this? Is it her trying to be a good friend and help people move on? Is it a little bit of both? Where do you stand on the Sheena aspect? I think she could be. I mean, she is friends with Schwartz. Like, she could be genuinely wanting him to move on. Do I think that she had him on the podcast at that time because it was good for her numbers? Yeah, for fucking sure. Well, the same with five weeks after Raquel calls off her engagement, getting her on the podcast is also extremely opportunistic. You know what? That's fine. That's podcasting. Opportunism. Opportunism. (laughs) I don't even know. Opportunity. Opportunity. Um, But no, I'm, I'm actually fine with that. Like, I don't really care. But as far as a friend goes... She's not friends with Katie. She doesn't like Katie. She makes no qualms about the fact that she doesn't like Katie. Katie doesn't like her. She was a bridesmaid in Katie's wedding. Yeah, but they don't like each other now. Okay, but... Before the podcast aired, they still didn't really like each other. So I don't really understand, like... I think that she was, in a sense, trying to help out Schwartz, trying to get him to move on, and he was appreciative about it. He even said it to Katie later in the booth. He said, she's just trying to help me out, trying to help me rediscover myself. You saw his apartment. It's a fucking wreck. It's a disaster. He's got nothing going on there. He's dressed up, and Sandoval's telling him he needs new clothes. He does. He's wearing gym Definitely shorts every day. Yeah. And Sheena's telling him that he needs to get out there and start like talking to people and just moving on with his life. He does need all of those things, so I think that can be true. I think there is, yeah, I think there's a little bit of malicious intent in what Sheena's doing. I think she knows that putting that idea in Raquel's mind is going to spark something. Sure just kind of like pushing her towards a target because Raquel is also unhinged right now. So it's like the perfect storm. And do I think that Sheena knew that Raquel would immediately be like, Ooh, I guess I could make out the Schwartz. No, I think that she just wanted to, you know, spark a little bit here, spark a little bit there, see what happens. 
and it happened pretty quickly. I don't really know what else to think about it. Again, like we have to have the discussion of can Katie really be mad when she called off the wedding or the wedding when she called off the marriage about what Schwartz is doing? Yeah, I guess like they work together, girl code, whatever you want to say. That's kind of shitty because it's really close. But at the end of the day, like you don't want your dating life to come out so that he hears about it. Why are you trying to find out information about what he's doing? That's fair, but I think that it's important to note that it's in front of her face and it's one of her friends that she's actively trying to like further a relationship with. Yeah. But I think that my biggest thing, I think that my biggest thing with all of it is in any normal circumstance, right? If we're not talking about a reality TV show, this is our friend group, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's pretty cut and dry if there's a divorce that nobody is hooking up with one of the friends. Yeah. Like, I think that that goes without, you don't have to have a pact because it just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Right. But, but that's this, putting the emotion back into it. So that's what, like, when I'm watching it, I don't have any emotions towards any of them. No. And, I, and I'm I like, I don't give that. a shit. Like, they're adults. Let them do whatever they want. But yeah, when you break it down to a little more close to home and you put, paint a picture of, you know, somebody that you're close to, it becomes a little different. Yeah, and it's fucked up. I think that the whole situation is fucked up. I don't think it's cool. I think that there's a lot of people in the wrong with it. However, you're divorced. Mm-hmm. You're divorced. The dynamic that you guys have currently is already weird to me. I don't think that it's, it's appropriate. I don't think it's smart. I think that you are leaving. It's, it's not. It's not sustainable by any way, shape, or form. And you still have this codependency on one another that you're not allowing yourselves to grow from and move away from. If you feel that it's okay for Katie to come over to Schwartz's apartment immediately after the podcast and ask and dive into what did you say? What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And I know it's about your divorce, but hey, you're divorced. He doesn't owe her that explanation anymore. And he finally realizes that later in the episode. He's like, oh, I don't have to do this now because we're no longer married. Yeah. I feel for Katie. I think that it's shitty. I think that Raquel's in the wrong. I think that you shouldn't even cross that boundary. I think there are outliers here because it's a TV show, because it's a reality TV show, and because they're paid to stir up some shit. So I think it's an impossible ask. I do think, though, that they need to both, her and Schwartz, and I think we're going to see it happen regardless. You guys are divorced. It is over. Right. And that is hard to say. It's hard to deal with, I'm sure, on both sides. Katie's clearly going through it, and I feel for her there. Schwartz is going through it. He's a fucking mess. They need to give each other the space to grow, and then they can try to come back and have a relationship. But if you're going to do this shit constantly, and the first person you turn to is your ex, Mm. not ex boyfriend, ex spouse, like that's a fucking problem. You're never going to grow from any of it. And Raquel gets kind of stuck in the middle of it because she's going through her own shit. She's stirring up some drama. No, don't go up to Schwartz and ask me what's to make out. That's dumb. Especially if you're going to then go sit with Katie at dinner. At least you told her, I guess. Too little, too late. It's just messy. It's all messy. But the, the root of all of it is, unfortunately, Katie, unfortunately, this is no longer your place to say shit. Yeah. You might disagree with it. It might be fucked up and wrong. You don't get to tell Schwartz. And if you do, you, you, I guess you get to tell him it's your right to express your feelings. 
you can't expect him to do what you want because that is no longer his role in your life, unfortunately. I'm sorry to say it, but that just is what it is. You are divorced. You are not dating. We do at least know that we are getting Oliver next week. Yeah, I know. A little Garcelle, yeah. perhaps, in the episode, too. Warming crossover. up with Beverly Hills. A little crossover. Everybody loves a good crossover. But I do want to talk really briefly about Greg. Fucking Greg. This is an anti-Greg podcast. We are not Team Greg. I could not stand when he's sitting there with the three of them talking about the bar and opening. And Sandoval says, yeah, we were thinking about August 26th because it's a month from today. And Greg's like, when you think something, text me. Like, we need to know. And now we find out that Greg is shutting down almost every opportunity that they have to open up. And you hear from Lisa talking about how they're sinking 25 grand a month in rent into this. And Greg wants everything to be absolutely pristine before they open. Oh, let's clarify. They need to fucking... They is not Greg. Greg oh, is no. paying zero dollars. Yeah, Greg owns the lease. So that's really his input for the whole thing. And why he's managing anything makes no sense. They need help, obviously. But when Greg's sitting there and he's talking about what needs to be done, can you tell me one thing that Greg said that needs to be done? He didn't say anything. He didn't I'm so say glad you noticed anything. That. Thank you. Not I'm one like, well, specific what the fuck detail. Do we have to do. We've got things that need to be tied up. We've got issues that need to be absolved. Like what? What are you talking about? What specifically? We finally found out from us. Schwartz later. He goes, "We're still doing menu testing." Thank you. Yeah. Great. I was wondering what's going on does because Greg, Greg doesn't say a fucking word. No, Greg sits there. And just I rebels. think he saw an opportunity to, kind. I hate to say it, but he, he's taking advantage of two guys that have never owned a, a restaurant he's before. He's clout chasing one. Yep. Two, I think he gets off being like the hard-ass restaurateur on TV, yeah. and he just looks like a douche nozzle. Yeah. Like, the guy needs to take his fedora and get the fuck out of here, because I'm sick of watching Greg. He's such a buzzkill. Like yeah, he the just dude really sucks. Ruins my and it's got to be hard enough for the Toms to open this restaurant and have all these things going on, like the show, like the you know family coming down to do the restaurant opening when the restaurant's not really even open. Like, there's a lot going on there, and you're trying to test servers, but in like a party atmosphere, and you've got your bartender drinking, you've got the owners all over the place, they're drunk, everybody's boozing. These these servers are not going to know what to do. Like, do they remain professional? Is this like a party? Like, you can walk into any restaurant and see what kind of restaurant it is based on the servers. Are the servers partying or are they taking their job seriously? Greg wants them to take their job seriously, which I actually agree with. There well, you go, Greg. Uh, but you got to figure it the fuck out and actually help. It doesn't look like Greg's helping at all. Greg's not doing a goddamn thing. And secondly, it's the first fucking night. It is a mm. celebration. It yeah, is but a the party. servers shouldn't be boozing. The servers shouldn't be boozing unless the owner of the fucking restaurant walks up and says, hey, take a shot with me. Which they might be doing. They did. He said that. Schwartz yeah, literally said, yeah, I took a half a shot with him. Look. That's on, that's on Schwartz's hand. Should, I agree. But should they be behind the bar drinking? No. If they look out and see everybody else that works there drinking, they're going to think it's okay to drink. I'm not condoning being drunk on the job. I'm saying if it's opening night and the team is following their leader's lead, you can't penalize them for yeah. it later on. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, it was a party. Schwartz and Sandy have been trying to open this fucking place for a year. They finally have a night where they can like debut the bar, so they're having some drinks. They're cutting loose. It's fun. It fucking should be. When they start running out like actual business it's you know a night tonight thing we got a hundred we got a hundred tables tonight to serve like whatever that yeah you need to be on top of your shit you need to make sure everyone's locked in but the first night greg 
You're going to fucking be a dick about the first night. And also, everybody involved said it went off great. It was yeah. a great first night. So shut the fuck up, Greg. Last but not least, part two of the Potomac reunion. And look, they got another episode coming out next week. I thought this was a good episode. I thought this was going to be the like penultimate, and then the third one was going to be Robin. I did too, but no, we get the husbands next week, which I was surprised because I thought that this was like the big one, and I still enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid episode. So next week we get the Chris stuff. I think that's one of the better three-part reunions we've seen, assuming it goes well. Yeah, no, it's definitely going well, and I, I again, have to give Andy credit. I feel like there were a couple times where I felt like he could have dug a little deeper. Yeah. Which is usual. I mean, I feel like that happens. And maybe he did. Maybe they decided to cut it. Whatever. But not a word from Karen, really. Nothing. At all. No, she chimed in once, I think, for like briefly, but then like backed off pretty quick. Yeah. And I don't know if she's saving it for Sharice, which I don't really care about. No, like, no. That, that storyline's so tired. It's going to be just filler for next week, like before they get to the husbands or something. It's not going to be a mainstay. But yeah, she really hasn't done much, which is interesting. And I wonder if that... But we start out with Giselle and Wendy's still going off about how every time Giselle sees like a happy marriage, there seems to be a pattern with her. Like mm -hmm. she sees people happy and she decides that it's her job to insert herself and ruin that marriage. We saw it with Chris and Candace. We saw it with Eddie and Wendy. It, it seems to me that when Giselle sees these things, I don't know if it's like her own personal demons. I don't know what the fuck it is. Or maybe it's just like an easy target. Like, yeah, and I just think, make a storyline. I think she's just deflecting from her personal life and like she doesn't like to share the things from her personal life. Which I love is that like, Andy called her out on that, by the way. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the times that, that I gave yeah. him credit too. And he was just like, What why? Like, why do you deflect these things? Like are you, are you afraid to talk about your personal life? And she finally did open up like later with the hysterectomy. But for the most part, like we never really do see Giselle talk about what's going on in her life. Mm -hmm. She's always just she shows up with Ashley and her friends for whatever fucking reason. She shows up over talking to uh, Robin about what's going on with Chris and Candace. She always has something to say about someone else's situation. And I found myself wondering, like, why is Giselle right next to Andy? I mean, you've got Karen on the one side, Grand Dame, you know, whatever. She only said a couple of words, but she still is, you know, the Grand Dame. Potomac. So you've got Giselle on the other side. And I'm like, why the fuck is she here? It's because she has instigated herself into every storyline. And none of the storylines are her own. She just wants to spill the tea and stir things up and do this and that. And it gets so tired to watch. And I'm so happy that all of the other women are just calling her out on her shit. And like, we don't really get to see that in the other franchises. There, there's always packs. And like, yeah, there's Robin and Giselle. And they try to help each other out whenever the hell they can. But there's too many other women that have problems with Giselle directly. So when one person brings it up or Andy brings it up, the rest of them chime in. And I love it. Because it really does put her into a corner. And when we finally get to have her talk about her personal life, she says, we're, we're not going to do this right now. And we'll Andy's like, later. And he's like, no, no, no we'll, we'll talk about it now. And she's like, uh, uh, okay. Like, she wasn't prepared for it. She thought that she was going to be able to deflect and then jump in later when she has to help out Robin or jump in later when she has something shady to say about someone else. It's like, just fucking like have your own storyline or don't. And be friends with whoever you're going to be friends with and then get involved in their shit. But, like, don't insert yourself into every little detail of all of the shady shit that's going on. Yeah, and I think that a big part of it is 
Andy and Giselle are friends. Yeah, like, we can see that. Friends. Yeah. And I think that that's why she was like, oh, we'll talk about this later. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, we're not. And it did. It took her by surprise. But the funniest thing before we get to that part, she makes the statement, I feel like we're just talking about semantics right now. It's like, Giselle, that's been the whole thing with all of it is mm-hmm. semantics. The way that you're wording things was the fucking problem. So yes. And Andy, again, W for Andy. He's like, yeah, we're talking about semantics. That's what we've been talking about is semantics. Like, you want to twist words to fit your narrative. You said last week, Chris apologized. We moved on. No, he didn't. Chris said, if I made you feel uncomfortable. That's very different. That is fucking semantics. That's what it means. So the whole thing hinges on semantics. And now you want to throw semantics out the window? Then your whole thing goes to shit. You just lost your entire platform of semantics. But shifting away from her just briefly, because we're going to get back to her later, Ashley is surprised that Deborah's story didn't line up. And, (laughs) And not even two seconds later, Deborah claims that the camera and audio were messed up, so it didn't fit what Chris was saying. Yeah. What the fuck do you mean? It literally... We don't care what Deborah claims. No, and Deborah's the one that said there's, Chris's, there's a lot of Chris's out there, but she claims that Chris said that. I'm like, no, you said that. And now you're going <laughs> to use the, oh, the audio and the camera don't match up. Get the fuck out of here. Ashley could just do everybody a solid and be like, look, like I, I'm friends with Deborah. She told me something happened. I brought it up to the group, and this is what happened. And now that I saw what happened and how it played out, I realized that she was wrong. And that's where it was. And Instead, she she's up. like, yeah, but, you know, the, the editing, she claims that the editing in an audio doesn't, doesn't really match up. It's like, oh, my God. Like, seriously, if the story matched up with what Deborah was saying, Bravo would have put it on there. They Do you think that Bravo would ever leave that to the wayside just because they want to, what, support Chris? Absolutely not. No. This is a good storyline that maybe could have vindicated Deborah, could have vindicated Ashley, could have shown Candace to be blindly supporting her husband, and a whole fucking shitstorm would have followed. Instead, I think that Bravo tried to exhaust every resource they had in the editing and realized, holy shit, they're just making this up. Well, let's just roll with this and just show how many times they make it up. Yeah. And we are so thankful that that happened. But if there was any dirt there at all, even a slightest bit of dirt, they would have put it out there. They There's no way. Put it out there. They wouldn't have kept that from the viewers. There's just no way. But Wendy brings up a great point. She's like, because of all these shenanigans, the men in our lives are now terrified to talk to any of the wives. Yep. And like, Chris said that last week. Yeah. Like, there's no way that there's going to be any relationships between these couples because all the dudes are going to be like, well, I'm not going to talk to you because you're going to claim that I was hitting on you. I'm not going to smile at you because you're going to claim I was hitting on you. Like, there's no safe space anymore for these dudes. No, and that's, I feel like that's the problem that Potomac has had for seasons now, from what like yeah. we understand. It's always about going after the husbands. It's always about cheating scandals. And look, like Michael Darby's right fucking there. If that's what you want, then there you go. Here he's he is on a fucking layup. ladder. Just because he's gone doesn't mean he can't keep burying No, him. but like we don't see that in other franchises. And like we see it in Jersey with all the husbands showing up. They don't have that issue. So it's fun to see the husbands there. Yes. Now we're watching on Potomac and they're just fucking scared shitless to say anything. And now, thank God, we finally have Chris standing up for himself and freaking out and being like, fuck you. And then feeling sorry about it and apologizing to Ashley later. Apologize. But seriously, like if I'm one of the husbands, I'm not, I'm staying off screen. I, like I, no chance in hell am I giving anyone any dirt. In this franchise? In this group, no, no chance in hell. Zero. You don't see it anywhere else because that's not a problem on any of the other other shows 
It's a problem on this show. They need to stop doing it. But do you see for us why? To take it seriously. Just click. Do you see why they saw the blueprint with Michael Darby and they're like, yep. "Oh, this is easy." Chris talked about it in our interview. If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, watch it, or go on Spotify, wherever you get your streaming from. But he thinks that all of this fake storylines in all of the franchises stem from like season five, I want to say, of Potomac, mm -hmm. when we got the Monique and Candace kerfuffle, if you will. Kerfuffle, I As like a it. Kerfuffle. Yeah. But from that moment, their numbers spiked mm -hmm. because it was captivating television. You watched two women fight on TV like it was a big deal. Numbers went through the roof. He thinks that because of that, it set a precedent for all the franchises that if we drum up some drama, if we create some shit, it'll lead to more views. So I think that we've run into that problem with Potomac because they also have this blueprint from Michael Darby. Okay, he's a scumbag. That got a lot of attention. Let's use that. Yeah. So Giselle's using that to try to use that to her advantage. And you already brought it up, and it's when... They're talking about her surgery, right? Mm -hmm. And she went through a really traumatic event. She had to get a hysterectomy because they had, I think, lumps on her uterus. And she tries to shut it down. She says to Andy, like, we'll talk about this later. In a very friendly way, that's where I was like, oh, shit, they are like, they're tight. They're tight, She's yeah. like, no, Andy, like, I'll, I'll tell you later. Yeah. Andy's like, no, we're talking about this shit right now. And we see Giselle get choked up. We never ever see Giselle get choked up. No. She gets choked up and starts talking about her surgery. And here's the funny thing. I connected with Giselle in this moment, emotionally. Like, when she lets the walls down and speaks from a real place and talks about, this was really hard on me. This was hard on my girls. It was scary. It was supposed to be three hours. It turned into eight and a half hours. I was supposed to go home. I didn't. That sucks. That's a really shitty, mm -hmm. shitty circumstance. And it's a tough story. And it probably resonates with a ton of women out there. And it's something we want to see. I want to see vulnerable Giselle. I want to see Giselle be real because when she is, you can connect with her. Yeah. I mean, the scenes that she has when she's a, a great mom, she's a great mom. And, and it's nice to see. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just, it's infuriating to me that this so-called blueprint where you have to take down a husband or start some cheating scandal or whatever bullshit to try to get views, you're making things up. You're having your friend make things up, Ashley. You're having whoever make things up, Giselle. You've got Juan Dixon sitting over there, who, by the way, is going to be absent from part three of the reunion. Very uh, coincidentally, I'm sure. His schedule didn't really line up. He's sitting over there, and there are very real cheating rumors about Juan Dixon over there. But Giselle doesn't want to go that far to make up this storyline to get these views. She won't cross Robin because that's the last straw. But you got to see that, like, look, Wendy's fucking tired of it because Eddie got thrown under the bus. Yep. Candace is tired of it because Chris got thrown under the bus this year. They probably had an idea that Juan was doing this. They didn't jump at the gun to throw this in there. They didn't want this to be the storyline anymore because they've seen what it's done to their marriage. Mm -hmm. And if there's no proof, which now there is proof, but if there was no proof at the time about Juan, then they're not going to do it. Because it's shitty to do that to a marriage that's happening right then and there. And then we get the fucking dumb shit at the end with Mia where she throws Wendy under the bus and says, oh, yeah, well, you want to talk about Peter? Like, you went out for a business meeting with him and then you gave him a little bit of the cookie at the end of the dinner. Like, no, she fucking didn't, Mia. We're not doing this anymore. There's no reason for us to do this anymore. You're just trying to break up a happy marriage. I don't even think that you're trying to break up the marriage. You're just trying to sound cool and make something 
iconic for the show and yep. drum up some special views or whatever. Just leave it alone. Find a good storyline. Get into fights with each other about some dumb shit that you said when you were drunk. Find some dumb shit to drum up here and there or whatever, but leave the marriages out of it. We got to add it to the rule board. Rule number five, leave the marriages out of leave it. Leave the happy marriage. Unless there's proof. Yeah. And to that point, did you see that shit that came out with Juan and that other coach from Coppin State? Oh, yeah. Like, he just doesn't care. No. Right? Like, he doesn't give a fuck. Mm-mm. He's asking for reasons for Robin to leave. No, I mean, it just makes sense as to why he was so dragging his feet about the wedding and why Robin was, too. I think Robin knew about everything. How about the fact that Robin has the gall to say everything we do should be filmed? Yeah, okay. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, here's what doesn't make sense to me, and this is across the board on Bravo. If you're currently involved in something that's sketchy or shady, don't comment on somebody else's sketchy and shady business because it's just going to come out and you're just going to look dumb. Like, yeah. it, it, if nothing else is true about Bravo, this is. It always comes out. You know that people are going to find out about Juan, so don't dig a deeper hole. Just shut up. Don't talk. Let it happen. Let it play out. You don't have to back up Giselle here. No. Okay? Giselle's getting it. She's getting a run through from Andy. Like, it's happening. Let it happen. And then everybody can move on. This is how reunions go. He takes his turn with each one of them. He goes after all of them. It's your turn now. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong and why you suck. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. That's how it goes. Stay out of it if you have a dog in the fight that you don't want people to know about. Period. That's like, a good point. Back off. But back to what you were talking about with like the Wendy and the Mia part of everything. I don't think that we gave enough attention to how bad that whole interaction could have gotten at dinner. Like oh, when they yeah. played it back, I was like, Mia was swinging. Oh, she yeah. She was swinging at her, but you had that dude in between them, but she was taking swings. Like, she's like, you assaulted me. I was like, you know what? We don't like to throw words around, but it's, it's as close as you can get yeah. to assault without actually assaulting somebody. No, and I love that Andy actually brought it back when Giselle was trying to defend Mia for, again, whatever reason, because she doesn't like Wendy. And she even said that. She said, well, when Andy asked her, what are you doing? Like, you're, you can't look at Wendy and understand. She just got a drink thrown into her eyes. Like, see how she feels. Like, this is how Mia made Wendy feel. You're talking about Chris, how Chris made you feel, but you're looking at Wendy and completely discrediting the whole thing. She goes, well, that's because I don't like her. And it's like, what the fuck? It's, like, that is so dumb. Like, what, that's so bad. And it just discredits everything. Yeah. Between that and then the semantics comment, everything that you have said is now out the window. Yeah. Because you contradicted your entire argument. Yeah, yeah, this is where you were coming from. This was your whole entire mm-hmm. season. And you yourself just shot it down. Because you don't like somebody? So your reasoning for fucking up Chris and fucking up Candace's life is because you didn't like him? Mm-hmm. Are you shitting me? You're going to make some accusations like that because you don't like somebody. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. not friends with Candace, That's so ridiculous. she doesn't care. Yeah, and for her to go in then and try to defend Mia, it just doesn't make any sense. And this is another part where just stay out of it. If something doesn't involve you and it's going to hurt your story, shut up. But this is where Andy gets like a big thumbs up from us, and we'll give him credit where credit's due. We do not hate Andy. We just call him out when we don't agree with stuff, yep. and we also give him props when we do agree with him. But he questions Ashley on her stance on violence. I guess your stance on violence changed because you're cool with this, but you weren't cool with it before. Yep. And then it comes to a very serious note, and this is something that we've 
gotten questions on this, I think, the whole season. Yeah. Every time I say, like, give us your questions, the the topic of colorism always comes up. People always want us to comment on colorism. And I thought Andy did a really good job of setting this segment up with how he said it, and I'm going to kind of mirror that. Mm-hmm. There, as to white guys, right, we can't really comment on the colorism on the show because we don't know, right? Like, we've never been in a position where we need to comment on it. It's something that, as Andy said very well, it's our role to sit back, listen, and learn. It's not our place to make comments about it, how we feel about it, where we see there is or is not colorism because we've never experienced it. We never will experience it. And we're not going to sit here and try to comment on it as though we know because we just simply don't. It's not really our place to do so. I, I do like that Andy just took a step back and he reached out to them before the reunion and said, how do you guys want to approach this? I'm kind of just here for whatever you guys want to do. And they agreed. Let's talk about it amongst ourselves instead of having a moderator, instead of having anybody else kind of interject. We'll just kind of take it on ourselves to talk about it. And I, I thought that was great. I liked that you know, Candace started them off and kind of just worked through the whole thing and they all had an opportunity to speak on it. And like there were some people I saw that um, weren't thrilled with how it went. They they thought that maybe it should have been dove into more, and and maybe so. Again, it's not our place to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our place to to learn and to listen and just kind of hear what they have to say on the matter. So we're gonna leave it at that. Um, that takes us to the question portion of the show, and up first from Elisa T twelve fifteen. I think I nailed it. What do you think about Margaret always trying to create her team? That's a good point. She does always try to create a team. I mean, we talk about people needing to team up so that they can get a little bit more power. I think Marge kind of figured that one out a while ago. It, I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably a pretty smart move. I think it's the Game of Thrones theory. Yeah. You know, she's Cersei. You gotta, well, you got to combine families to take down the other ones, right? Like, That's it's a good just, point. You, you need. I think she knows how to play the game. Like she's been in it so long and she seemingly comes out of each season unscathed and in spite of kind of going through a lot of shit every season. You know what she is? And we get these in professional baseball. When you get to like triple A, yeah. There's a lot of guys that get stuck in triple A and they go up to the big leagues for like a week and then they come back down and they spend like five years doing this. Yeah. And they just turn into the saltiest vets and they're fucking mean, but they're still there. Like they still hang on to playing pro ball because they just are able to like go play for like a week and come back, mm-hmm. but they are so miserable and they, but they know how to play the game to stick around. And I think that Marge is a salty triple a pitcher. All right. There you go. I like that. <laughs> Ooh, I like, this is a fun one to say from Papa Chiola. I don't know if I said that right, but I like, it though. I like that one. Do you think that Melissa had the right to be upset at the party? Was her reaction justified? Yeah, I mean, I we talked about it before. I feel like Joe hung her out to dry. I feel like she's been kind of dealing with a lot on her own and being there. You know that Marge doesn't give a shit about you. Like, Marge just wants to stir shit up. She's not there for, like, a shoulder to cry on in that situation. So I really do think that Melissa felt completely alone in that situation, and she did what she did. I don't even think that the tears were necessarily in regards to just the comment that Teresa made. No, I think that it was everything. a culmination. Yeah, it's everything that she's got going on and she just, I think she was fed up and just kind of cracked finally. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just because the comment was no. made. 
from Blackbeard601. Are you going to change the Rob Hood taglines currently in your intro? No, probably not. No, that would, that would take a lot of work. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it works fine now, the way it is. <laughs> Captain Blackbeard. Yeah, Blackbeard601. It's not Captain. Captain Blackbeard. He's not Captain. He's Blackbeard601. Yeah, you know Captain Blackbeard. You're assuming this man's a captain? Could be. We don't know. We don't know his. Pirate ship. Okay. We're getting off track. <laughs> Ooh, I like this one. From Snarky XTS. Why does Marge get a pass for no storyline? She just runs her mouth about everything. I guess she sort of is like Giselle, honestly. I think that you need to recognize that there are different positions for these teams. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are the forward. You know, you need to drive the team. You're the leader. You need to be out there. Did I get a wrong center? No, I, I just don't know where you're going with this. Just, just, just <laughs> let, me, let me work, all right? Someone needs, let me do it a little easier. Someone needs to be the quarterback. Okay, you need the quarterback on the team, right? They are the storyline. They're the mainstay, whatever. You also need the linemen. The linemen are there to protect the quarterback. And by protecting the quarterback, that's with different tools. I'm trying so hard to bring what this What is back. Marge? Marge is an offensive tackle. Okay. All right? And here's why. She doesn't run the team, but she is vital to their success. Because what Marge brings to the table is running her mouth it is the comments it is stirring up shit and marge doesn't do the same thing every year like she she's i don't want to say she starts shit with different people but she she ends up like we talked about before with getting her team together like she teams up with different people pretty much every year she doesn't have one main friend like giselle has robin where it's just like really annoying marge just kind of freelances around there she's a freelancer she's a free safety she's a free safety thank you you. there we go and our last question here from, ooh, fun name, from Travel While You Twerk. Oh. <laughs> Do you think Giselle paid attention to the backlash and that's why she's backpedaling? No, I, I don't really know. I, I think that she realizes that what she's saying has no substance and everybody's kind of teamed up against her at this point, including Andy. Yeah. So I think she has no choice. There. I agree. There, cool. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's good. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> no, but that's all we got tonight. Uh, reminder, the Chris Bassett interview is now available on all streaming services. It's available on YouTube. Please subscribe to YouTube. We got like a ton of new subscribers on there, and we're trying to push to 1,000. So get us up. Get those numbers up for us. Um, remember to follow us on Instagram at brav underscore bros. Follow us on Twitter at brav underscore bros and follow us on TikTok at brav bros. No underscore there. I think I, I might mix That's those it, up. Yeah. Just look for brav bros. You'll see us. Um, <laughs> We're big enough now. To pop yeah, up. you'll find us. But uh, also we are on Cameo. If you want us to convince your significant other to watch Bravo or shoot the shit about Bravo or our most recent one, they got a thirst trap out of me because we relate to can't give them the Cameo. Can't forward. promise that unless we're on vacation and can't fulfill the cameo, then you might get a thirst trap from shooter next time. But, (laughs) (laughs) but other than that, get ready for the fucking live show, man. Yep. I can't wait. Month and a half, almost two months. Something like that. April 27th. We'll see you down at the city winery. Other than that, brav bros are out of here next week. Bye.